When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A tournament with a top-tier team of rugby experts, including Ben Kay, Rachel Burford, George North, Gordon Darcy, and Chris Patterson. Kicking off this Saturday with Scotland versus Tonga, followed by Wales versus the All Blacks. Touch and engage for the 2021 Autumn Nations Series, exclusively on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly with Shabana Hearn and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot oh. and finds the net. On TalkSport 2. Hello there, good evening, happy Monday to you, I hope all is well where you are, I hope you had a fabulous weekend and welcome to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, what a week for the international super sub, Beth Mead making history, becoming the first English women's player to score a hat-trick at Wembley, all inside 14 minutes. And Mead, that is special. And that's how you make an impact. She produces the spectacular here with her first touch of the game. Northern Ireland, they did put on a brave performance, but just couldn't hold out against England's physicality and reinforcements from the bench. They beat us through their athleticism and their stronger bench. The wait to find out who will be England's permanent captain continues, though, as Serena Wegman leaves the door open to Lucy Bronze and Steph Houghton. We haven't had Steph and, and the other ones and, and Lucy Bronze in our group, and they've captained this team before. We just take a little, little time, and when everyone's performs well, is fit. Mm. I can see how everyone relates and what's best for the team. Yeah, but Leah Williamson doing such a good job. We're also going to be chatting about the latest on FIFA's plans for the Biennial World Cup and hearing from Scotland International, Leanne Crichton and Northern Ireland's Rebecca Holloway will be with us as well. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Fake Carruthers. Hi, I'm Jordan Nobbs and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Spot two. So hope you're having a good weekend. Hope you've enjoyed your weekend, whatever it is you've been up to. Alongside me tonight from Aston Villa, defender who won 70 caps for England. Anita Asante is with us this evening. Good evening, Anita. How are you? Good. 
Evening, Shaban. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Um, so you play with my sister at Aston Villa and I was saying, oh, Anita's on the show tonight and she's like, it's Neats, right? It's Neats. You can't be calling her Anita, but we're using your Sunday name, okay? <laughs> we're being good. Um, listen, Anita actually just heard you on Talk Sport just be- before we came live on the show um, doing a lovely package and an interview for Black History Month and it was really nice just hearing that before we come on live tonight. You won the quadruple in 2000. I think it's it's one of those things that was such a long time ago as well. But you are, you know, one of those players who did that. You know, do you ever think that quite soon it'll be coming back to the UK? Yeah, fingers crossed. I think um, the game here has evolved massively. You know, we've got such a, a wealth of talent now. Um, but of course, when I look back to that time, I just have you know, immense fond memories, really. And, you know, it's nice to be part of a, a team that created history for our country as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And also another thing that I picked up on as well was your role models in sport being the Williams sisters in tennis. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, that was around my my time growing up mm. and they sort of, you know, took the tennis world by storm. Um, and for me, you know, I just thought they were very um, unapologetic, you know, mm. with the way they approach their game and, you know, the athleticism and just everything about them, you know, their sort of demeanor on, on court and their style as well and their hairstyles. Yeah. I was, you know, enamored by all of that. Yeah, no, it was really, really lovely to hear. And you can hear that on Talk Sport as well. Anita, we've got lots to get through tonight because it's been a busy old week with the international break for the World Cup qualifiers. Shall we start with England against Northern Ireland? Let's do that because it was England's first competitive game back at Wembley, 23,000 in attendance. England had 34 shots and 11 on target. Now, three of them coming from Beth Mead. Now, let's start with Beth because coming on from the bench... In the second half and to get a hat-trick in 14 minutes is just it's I mean she's on another level at the moment yeah I think Beth Mead is absolutely on fire for both club and country and um, you know she obviously had a little setback um, last year and, and not being involved with the national team for a little while but has definitely taken the opportunity um, full throttle and shown her quality um, and, you know, marking it by a hat-trick, the first woman to do so is an incredible feat. Um, and it's great, obviously, for England and another problem for the the head coach to have, a good one. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, Serena Wagman, it seems to have fallen into place for her since she's come in and, and you know, they're on this kind of unstoppable mode at the moment. And of course, Leah Williamson um, from Arsenal, Arsenal defender, seems to be at the helm at the moment with Lucy Bronze and, and Steph Houghton out with injuries. Do you think that um, she is the answer to captain this side moving forward or do you think that Steph and Lucy still have a lot more to give in that role? Well, I think the manager, Sarah Wiegmann, has given a lot of confidence to the fact that she trusts Leah Williamson to take on that role and responsibility. And so far, she's done a great job. And it could be a nod to the future as well, you know, mm. by just giving her experience in this moment of time um, mm. when, you know, when that baton is passed down. But I still think, you know, Steph and Lucy, with their experience and, you know, they've been there, done it at the highest level as well, um, still have a lot to offer in that role. And mm. uh, so I can understand why she wants to give more time to that decision and also allow someone like Leah, who is, you know, playing fantastically well for her club to sort of also have pressure off in a different way, you know, focus mm. on herself, focus on her own performances and growing into this, 
England um, senior side as time time goes on. Yeah, I mean, is it something with Leah's age? You know, she's still a young, uh, a young person, um, and she is doing so well at the moment. But is that something that she would need to take more experience and then move forward, or maybe watching the girls if they come back into that role? Would that help yeah, her? Well- yeah, well, I think Leah expressed it perfectly the other day that she just feels, you know, honoured to be able to take on the role and, and do the best job she can right now. And, you know, she's not seen that as something that she's been chasing um, because ultimately, you know, her focus will be to make sure that she gets a starting shirt for England on a regular and consistent basis. Um, I, I'm sure that's where her focus is. And she knows that they can rely on her if, if need be in that role. But of course, like I said, you still got Steph and Lucy Bronze mm. to come into the squad with, you know, yes, they're slightly older and they've slightly got more experience as well, which would just allow, you know, that kind of um, cohesiveness within the group where they have that familiarity with mm. those leaders as well. Okay. Let's talk about Northern Ireland as well, Anita, because, you know, to hold off the, the first half, defend the way they did, their goalkeeper, you know, performing very well, Jackie Burns. What was your thoughts on their performance? Yeah, I was impressed with their first half. Like you said, I thought they were very disciplined and dogged. They worked really hard for each other, you know, especially in and around their box, last ditch defending. Mm. The goalkeeper made, you know, a couple of fantastic saves as well. Um, And they gave themselves the best chance they could to stay in the game for as long as possible, which is you get to half time with a clean sheet. Um, Of course, England, the way they are on the ball in possession, very patient in their play, you know, was probably just waiting for a matter of time of just wearing them down, making mm. them tired for those spaces to open up as they did in the second half. So moving into tomorrow night, it's Latvia. Um, how do you see this one playing out? Is this one in the bag already, shall we say? Well, yeah, you never want to um, go into um, too overconfident or even complacent. I think, mm. you know, they will definitely want to approach the game in a professional manner like they have all the other qualifying matches but, you know, I expect um, them to meet similar opposition in, in terms of what they've met already in the North Macedonia. Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, it's going to be another kind of, I would imagine, training exercise for England and maybe another opportunity for the, the coach to put in some other players as well and, and have a look at what they have to offer. Well, let's hear from the England manager now. Serena Wigman said she was happy with the performance and knew England's patience would pay off. Of course, I'm very happy with this win. Um, I think uh, in the beginning it was a pretty hard game because they dropped deep very uh, very far. Uh, we knew that, of course. And um, so we, we created a lot of chances and we just had to keep patience, keep patient to, um, to create even more chances and score the goal. And uh, finally we did. Um, we brought uh, some, um, some new players on the pitch and they made a difference. Um, so that's really good that you see that this team um, has depth, can play very well. But if we need to change or have to bring some new energy, that that's really good too. So I'm really happy with this team accomplishment. And let's focus on Northern Ireland as well. A very strong performance. And manager Kenny Shields said he was pr- proud of his side's resilience and believes his team had England worried at the start of the second half. At nil-nil, they were worried because the, the first 15 minutes of the second half, we were threatening uh, spasmodically and there was occasions when we had uh, we had two chances at the back post and we just couldn't we weren't clinical enough in that area and you could see their strength and power that they had and I felt that we we can't disagree with the 
final outcome of, of 4-0. We can't disagree with that. We showed a lot of courage and I felt for the first hour, we, I wouldn't say we were comfortable, but we negated everything they threw at us and then they score with a fluke across uh, and that was it. You know, that was it. That, the, 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 uh, the bench, the, the players from the bench were too strong, too quick and there wasn't much we could do about it. Mm, Kenny Shields there, Northern Ireland manager. And join us now, uh, Anita, on the phone with us. We've got Birmingham City defender Rebecca Holloway, who had to drop out of uh, Northern Ireland squad due to injury. Good evening, Rebecca. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, very, very well, thanks. As I said, Anita uh, is with us as well. Um, and we've just got lots of questions for you. And basically starting with how gutted you must have been to miss out on this opportunity to play at Wembley on Saturday. Oh, don't. I was absolutely gutted. I think it was one of the hardest things I've had to face so far in my career. I've been fortunate enough to never have an injury that's put me out or stopped me from playing. So this was the first time and I think it was really hard to like come to terms with, especially the fact that it was going to be at Wembley as well. I think it's every player's dream to play at a stage like that and to miss out on that was yeah, I was absolutely gutted. Oh, I'm sorry, but you were there to watch the game, and you know you you yeah. heard the Northern Ireland fans that that travelled over it as well. My 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 uh, grannies, my nannies from Northern Ireland, my mum's uh, side as well. So you know, I'm, I'm I'm torn over this one. I think I was supporting Northern Ireland in the weekend as well as <laughs> Scotland. Um, so yeah, no, I, it was a shame to see you miss out. And after a, you know an impressive season so far in your time at Birmingham City, uh, we wish you a speedy recovery and hope you're back uh, into the international tournament very very soon but let's focus on the squad uh, that first half was something special from Northern Ireland yeah no it was and I mean to keep a team like England at nil nil for 45 minutes mm. like says a lot and the girls put in such a big shift and I thought if we can keep it nil nil throughout the whole game or even just get something if we get even just one chance and can put it away and take some points from it that would be great because the girls were doing so good first half Absolutely. Uh, Anita, you want to uh, ask Rebecca a question. Yeah, Rebecca, um, how do you think the experience of playing at Wembley in front of a crowd that size will have impacted the, the team going forward for, you know, the Euros next year as well? Oh, massive. I think not even just playing at Wembley, I think ever since Northern Ireland started getting results and even just making it to the Euros, our fans have just like grown and grown. And I mean, they just announced today that they sold out um, for the game against Austria tomorrow. Mm. And it just goes to show that our fan base is just growing every time. And the fact that they traveled over to Wembley as well, and there was so many of them, just goes to show like the support that we have behind us. Um, I think that's yeah, important great. as well, Rebecca, the support that you're bringing with you um, and the Northern Ireland fans travelling over. But this is a huge event for, for Northern Ireland and the, you know, looking ahead to next year and going to the Euros, you know, that is massive. Republic of Ireland aren't going, Scotland aren't going, little Northern Ireland is going and you're just gathering that momentum with the fans coming along with you. That will hopefully push you through this qualifying stage for the World Cup as well. We need to talk about uh, Northern Ireland's situation being different as well because not all members of that team are full-time is that still the case yeah uh, there is actually something that's going to be implemented though uh hopefully soon that's going to make the girls full-time um yeah. i know the ifa are really pushing for that and like any that's a really big thing for him um 
because I think, yeah, for the Euros next year and the preparation, he's wanting pretty much all the players to be full-time um, to obviously prepare us as best as we can. So that is definitely something that not only the coaches have pushed, but I think even the older players like Rachel Furness, Sarah Mack, mm. um, they've pushed for that as well. Uh, even though they are full-time in the championship themselves. I think they want that for the younger girls coming through, which I think is great coming from not only the coaches, but the players. When is that expected to be happening then, Rebecca? Um, I think hopefully starting as soon as possible, really, Mm. hopefully this year, Um, if not going into the start of next year. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's something that's going to happen pretty soon. It's, yeah, it's still a bit in the works, but it's definitely something that's going to happen. Anita, I have to ask you as well, just listening to Rebecca talking about, you know, a squad that are going to, a country that's going to the Euros and so many many members of their squad not being full-time professionals. What does that make you think about the women's game at the moment? Yeah, I, well, I think, you know, obviously it shows that we don't have the same level of parity across nations and obviously domestically at some clubs and that, you know, we still need to work towards that to give these athletes like Rebecca the best chance of competing at the highest level. But, you know, what I would say is, you know, and I'd say to Rebecca, and she must feel this, that after seeing the performance that your squad put on the other day, it must fill you with great sense of um, confidence that, you know, you can get so much more out of your group if you did turn pro and you got, you know, full-time players. It would worry the rest of the groups, actually, if if Northern Ireland, all of those players did turn fully professional. Well, that is another country that are are really then going to, you know, blaze a trail, Rebecca, because you've got a lot of key players in that squad who are doing it without being professional. You must be really proud knowing that that soon that might change. Oh, yeah, massively. And I think one of the young players, Rebecca McKenna, she is an example of that progress from going part-time to full-time. I mean, the performance she put in against England was, she was probably like one of my player of the match Mm -hmm. that night. And she used to be part-time and she's now moved to uh, Lewis, which is full-time. And, She's honestly come on so much since doing that. And I just think that she's an example for that. So it just goes to show that once you go from that kind of part-time environment into a full-time environment, the difference it can make. And I just think the girls will have so much more to give Mm. when that change happens. 100% 100% it still gets under my skin a little bit that they're not professional yet but you know the change is coming that's the main yeah, thing you know progress has been made uh, Birmingham City and Northern Ireland defender Rebecca Holloway we wish you a speedy recovery and back to match fitness as soon as possible thank you so much for your time tonight okay thank you thanks guys and bring, and bring on the Euros as well it's a huge deal for Northern Ireland they're definitely the ones to watch at the moment you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 my name's Shabana here and I hope you're having a good one Aston Villa defender Anita Asante alongside me tonight as well and coming up we're going to be focusing on Scotland uh, with a midfielder and former international Leanne Crichton on the way next on TalkSport 2 TalkSport 2 official broadcast partner of the EFL Women's Football Weekly with Shabana Hearn. She's around the goalkeeper and has rolled it in. On TalkSport 2.
Hello, happy Monday evening to you. Hope you're having a good one. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. My name's Shabana Hearn. In for Faker Others for the next wee while, a former England defender, Anita Asante, is with me tonight. And don't forget, if you miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app. So you can download today, swipe left, find us, and boom, off you go. So we caught up with England's match winner, Beth Mead, on how she bounced back from the disappointment of not making the Team GB just a short while ago? Mentally, I think it was good for me to get the time off um, during the Olympics in terms of obviously because I wasn't going and I just, you know, I've come back with a um, don't don't care attitude. Um, I've put my head down in training, I've worked hard um, and I'm kind of getting my rewards on the pitch right now. So um, I wouldn't change anything I'm doing right now. Um, obviously, there's always pressure on uh, consistency of performing but at the moment I'm thriving in it and hopefully I can continue that throughout my season England's Beth Mead there and you also have to wonder as well how Hager Reese, former GB coach who, who left Beth out of her squad feels about our bit of you know Beth's rebirth this season um, you know did leaving her out of the squad spur her on or did she just not rate her either way has Beth Mead heard from her ex-manager on making history, um, I actually haven't heard anything from her. I haven't heard anything from her since she told me I wasn't going to win an Olympics. So not that I had the expectation to, but yeah, still not heard anything on any type of level. But still proud of what I've done and how I've reacted to how, um, you know, I dropped out of the Olympic team. Uh, Anita Asante with me tonight as well. Anita, when you listen to that, Beth Mead and not heeding from the manager who left her out, is that something that, that makes you think she would she deserves or is that something we just move on and, and crack on and you don't look back? Yeah, well, I think it's, it's very individual, you know. I think mm. if a player feels that they want some questions answered, then of course you'd like to hear from the coach that, you know, dropped you. And um, in this instance... You know, if she wasn't have, if she didn't have that conversation when she was told initially that she wasn't included, then of course you're going to feel a little bit disappointed that you've not been able to really have that in-depth conversation. Mm. But I think the way she's handled it is very professional, and it shows just kind of the elite mentality that she has. That she's just gone away, worked on her game, worked on herself. Um, had that mental break and has come back probably better than she was beforehand. Have you ever had that, Anita, with a manager where you felt that you're falling out of favour and you've had to work that extra bit harder just to kind of get back into a squad? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, most players' uh, careers go in ebbs and flows depending on your club, the, the management, sometimes the coaches change, um, the playing style might change and all of those things. And it's about adapting and evolving to your environment and also trusting the process trusting your ability, um, you know, the key is to have that self-confidence and not doubt yourself too much um, and go away and, and hopefully you'll get the rewards for your hard work and, and the consistency that you put in into training and in matches. Yeah, and fair play to Beth Mead. I mean, she really is 2.0 at the moment and, and going to another level. So long may that continue for her for the rest of the season. Now let's chat about one of our other home nations' performance, Scotland. Scotland beaten Hungary 2-1 on Friday, thanks to a late winner from Rachel Corsi. Here now, former Scotland and Glasgow City midfielder Leanne Crichton. Good evening, Leanne. How are you? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good, good evening, Siobhan. Good afternoon. Are you? are you on delay? <laughs> I am. 
I've spent the last last three hours um, stuck in a computer. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just catching up with the day. Well, good to have you with us tonight. Uh, let's talk about Scotland's performance against Hungary because it was Christy Grimshaw who got the opener for Scotland and then Hungary equalised. And it was thanks to your best mate, Rachel Corsi, that, that we won in the end. Uh, how pivotal was she in that game? Yeah, I mean, it was a huge moment. It, it probably won't go down as one of the best performances. I don't think that the girls have, have produced over the last number of campaigns, but certainly I don't think that will matter when they look back in this campaign. I think the, the huge moment is going to be the three points and certainly that goal from, from Rachel topped it off. I was at Hamden and, yeah, it, it was a tough night for, for whatever reason. I don't think they hit the heights that, you know, I think I know that they can achieve and, and certainly produce, but ultimately that goal is, is a massive moment in the, the campaign so far. Yeah, you're right, and it's the three points that matters, and, and on we go into tomorrow night against Sweden. Now, watching Sweden against Republic of Ireland just last week, they looked very, very strong, uh, very tidy, and ranked number two in the world world as well. So um, going up against Scotland, what have they got to do tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, a completely different game. You know, Hungary were a, a tough opponent on Friday night, but certainly Sweden are, are going to offer something completely different. And I think at this stage of, of Pedro Martin as low as reign as Scotland manager, it's something that he needs to, I think, expose the players to. And, and that group will, will take a hell of a lot from the challenge tomorrow night. You know, the a high-calibre opponent. It's going to be a quicker game. You're going to be up against individual quality in every aspect of the, the team performance. So the girls will need to adapt. I think you'll, you'll need to see a, a kind of collective group performance from them. I would imagine that they're going to be out of possession for a you know a huge spell in the game, but I think that can breed confidence in the group. I think they'll need to work hell of a hard across the, the pitch, but what will give is an opportunity for Pedro to see a different side of his team and, and certainly you know, that will move them forward because it's it's been a really quick turnaround since he's come in and they've been faced with a, cuff, a couple of tough uh, matches to get through just now. But certainly the friendly opens up an opportunity for him to see different players and, and maybe different positions because I don't think he yet knows what his strongest 11 is. Yeah, exactly. Anita Asante here. Anita, you got a question for Leanne? Yeah, hi Leanne. How Anita. would you say, how has Pedro it sort of, you know, impacted the playing style for Scotland now? I think just now it's tough to possibly see. You know, I speak to the group and, you know, certainly having Rachel Corson in there as one of my friends, you know, I'm always picking our brains. Is it different from the setup, you know, under the previous manager, what's changed? And I think, if anything, what, you know, I can take from it is that the players just seem to be enjoying the new vibrant approach. I think a lot of it is possession-based football. You can see in the way that they try and build the game. Certainly, you know, Lisa Robertson on Friday night was dropping very deep, you know, splitting between those two centre-backs, looking to try and build the game. The full-backs are pushing on higher. I think when you listen to Erin Cuthbert speaking last week, she spoke about the attacking style of play, you know, how much they were enjoying that, attacking in numbers, looking to get forward. So I think there's a lot of positivity, you know, within the playing style, but... Uh, that won't happen overnight and you know what he's looking to try and achieve within the group takes teams you know sometimes two or three four years to, to go and create that so to think that he would achieve it in only you know two or three training camps that he's had with the players is unrealistic but I think the signs are positive what's more important just now though and Anita you'll know that as well you need to win games in, in, in qualifying campaigns ultimately you don't get time to adjust and adapt in the calendar the way it is now you don't really get too many friendly games now either in the women's schedule it's really busy it's really competitive um, and the girls need to keep producing you know every game that's why tomorrow is you know a great opportunity to go and try things out 
Mm, absolutely, Leanne. And just one one thing quickly I want to mention is that we're without Kim Little now in our Scotland national team, and she's such a huge loss to the squad. Uh, do you feel that they're adapting without her? Yeah, she has a huge loss, and, and ultimately you will never replace Kim Little within no. that group. So um, the balance for me and, and Friday, maybe in the midfield, just lacks that adaptation and, and something different within it just now. And there's new players coming in that are really trying to stamp their authority. What it takes away is, is maybe Erin Cuthbert higher up in the number nine, which I quite like, Erin higher up the mm. pitch like that. So, um, no, Pedro certainly gets work cut out to, to try and find a, a balance and a replacement for a Kim Little because I don't think any team that she's blessed um, or presence with yet have managed to find that when she's departed. I still find it a wee bit sad that we're not going to see Kim back in a Scotland shirt uh, leading our country. It's, yeah. a, it's a bit of a shame. Uh, former Scotland international Leanne Crichton, thank you so much for your time tonight. We appreciate it. Thanks, Shaban. Thank you. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. My name's Shaban. Anita Santi here as well. And coming up next, we're going to be discussing the latest on FIFA's plans for the biennial Women's World Cup. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, good evening. Hope you're having a good Monday. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. My name's Shabana Hearn. Alongside me tonight, Aston Villa defender Anita Asante is here. Anita, we need to talk about the Biennial World Cup. Now, have you got it in your locker to have another World Cup, then the Euros, then the Olympics, all in that short space of time? I mean, really, Anita, is it not just a little bit much, even the prospect of that? Well, I definitely don't have that in my locker anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I just think for me personally, I, I just wonder if it's financially motivated and I question whether they, you know, FIFA is considered the mental and physical well-being of players. Um, I just don't understand how they're going to manage that in such a congested football calendar. Um, and also, I just think it waters down the impact of a tournament, which is supposed to be a, a showpiece event. 
So personally, I'm, I'm not for it mm. at all. Well, what's happened is two-time World Cup winner Jill Ellis, who's a member of FIFA's technical advisory group, spoke to media last week to update on the latest on the plans to move the World Cup to a biennial event. So with us now to discuss the latest on this is The Telegraph's women's football reporter, Tom Gary. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, hi. Good evening, Siobhan. Good evening, Anita, as well. Hi. Nice to speak good to you both. Lovely to have you, Tom. Um, so it's all kind of kicked off again because in this uh, press conference, Jill Ellis kind of uh, alluded to the fact that this isn't, it's not going away. It's not a foregone conclusion and it's going to go to a vote whether this will happen or not. That's correct, Jess. And I, and I sense the tone had really shifted last week from Jill Ellis. Around a month ago when she was appointed into this role to lead this technical advisory group, her, her phrase of words was along the lines of that she had an open mind and she was she wasn't ruling things out and she was going to discuss the biennial World Cup possibility. Um, and then when she spoke last week, um, although she still hasn't made any, any decisions, she was very much framing it around trying to talk about the positives of the biennial World Cup and what she thought it could do for the sport. And, and she, yeah, I just sensed that the tone had really shifted and it, it, the implication was that that was certainly the proposal that that she and the technical advisor group were, were set to put forward mm. uh, for, for wider wider consultation. And it's going to be a really divisive issue because uh, already we, we know UEFA are very opposed to the idea um, and, and I sense the European leagues in particular and European clubs think it'll be very damaging to the women's game. So I think we've, got, we've not heard the last of this at all. Yeah, and what, what Jill Ellis actually said in this interview is the, the lever that the Women's World Cup holds in terms of elevating our sport is massive and that's why the biennial Women's World Cup isn't in conversation because we recognise that domestically there's a benefit. Viewership comes up after a major world event. Leagues have been started. Players have been discovered. There's so many positives that come from a World Cup. This is a democracy and this is going to a vote ultimately. Um, so reading that line uh, and that paragraph, you know, makes me think, all right, she, she's all for this then. So talk to us about um, these advisors who are also on this kind of this weather. And are they the people who will vote? No, uh, uh, that, this is a group of 21 big names from around the sport who, who Jill Ellis has been talking to, 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 to gather different opinions from experts on, on this, not just about the Binary World Cup, but about the entire international women's football calendar because for those who aren't aware listening uh, the, the women's international calendar has no date set beyond the 2023 world cup at the moment so everything is kind of on the, on the table beyond 2023 so that's things like how frequently we have international windows for qualifiers and friendlies and and, and how frequently we have the tournaments as well and uh, yeah this this panel um is made up of some huge names some very respected names like alex morgan mm. is on, on a list of lots of players who are on the group wendy renard from france the chelsea coach emma hayes is there as well as legends like kelly smith uh, 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 you know christine lilly but it is quite player heavy um and i know from speaking to to, to people at clubs and, and leagues around europe there's a lot quite a lot of, a lot of anger that, that they feel that that uh, sort of league administrators and, and club board members have not yet been consulted in the process. They 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 feel that those who are kind of involved in in, in organising leagues and, and cups and tournaments haven't really had their say yet. And of course, when you're organising a calendar uh, for for the whole sport, that they, they, they would say that it's, it's you know you need to get the opinions of those who who are doing the organising as well as those who are who are playing. So uh, there's a lot of ill feeling around this. I, I sense and. Um, We've not heard much publicly from those who are on the advisory panel. Um, and in terms of the next steps, 
uh, I don't think it's been officially decided as to whether it will go to a vote, but I think everyone is anticipating that all, all the FIFA uh, members of the national associations who are members of FIFA will eventually get to vote on this for both the men's okay. and the women's game. And yeah, Interesting. Anita, I'm keen to know what your thoughts are on what Tom's saying. Yeah, Tom, I, I'm just keen to know, you know, how equal is the representation from maybe some of the smaller ranked nations in this whole discussion? Well, that's a really important point because the vast majority of the of the the, the, the people who have been consulted are are perhaps from from Europe and, and America. I believe there's only one representative from from Asia, Sun Wen, the, the former China player. Um, so I, I, it, it, uh, it's quite uh, um, North America heavily focused. I think it's fair fair to say, which I guess you can understand to an extent in the sense that Chilalit is in charge. But there are definitely people around the world who feel it's not particularly inclusive as, as a process um, and I should stress as well there's also a, a referee who's been consulted on, on this Viviana Steinhaus Webb obviously hugely respected and uh, and John Scott is adding a sort of sports science perspective but but I think it's important to, to, to I think uh, really important to stress here that that um, there's people all around the sport feel that FIFA are, are going to do what they want to do on this no matter yeah. no matter what everyone's opinions are um, I've, I've not yet spoken to, to any sort of source or contact in the sport who, who can say they think it's a, it's a good idea, except for those who, who are involved at FIFA. Um, and one thing that staggered me, uh, Siobhan, from, from Jill Ellis' comments last week was she, she said that, they, that the group had not discussed the, the Olympics as part of their mm. proposals for the new calendar, which I found to be really, really strange. Uh, the explanation for that was given that because there isn't any talk about events that FIFA can control, and that's an IOC um, you know, event, but surely when you're factoring in the calendar, you have to think about how it fits around the Olympics, which is obviously a huge spectacle for the women's game. Well, I wonder, Tom, is that something that they could they could do? Could they pull the women's Olympics? You know, could they withdraw their the the countries from that? Well, I don't know if that's going to happen, to be honest with you. But Jill Ellis was quite critical of the Olympic format. She said that with only yeah. twelve women's teams, it wasn't big enough. She didn't. She felt that it needed to be expanded and almost sort of. Slipped so slightly through for a little bit of shade towards the the Olympic women's football competition as not not being inclusive enough. Uh, I think, and, we, and some people may have heard the IOC's comments a couple of weeks ago criticising FIFA's proposal to go to biannual World Cups. I, clearly, events like the Olympic football competition and the continental competitions like the Euros and, uh, and Copa America and all that sort of thing, all of those competition organisers are going to think that this is hugely conflicting because. In anything that increases the frequency of the World Cup is going to hit hit their exposure, their, their you know their their TV deals, their calendar as well. So um, yeah, uh, I, you can understand why there are so many people who are who are against it. Yeah, Anita, I want to ask you about that. Then, what would you rather see? Would you rather you know a biennial World Cup and you know Olympics just being a a small part, well a smaller part of what it is just now for the women's game, or would you rather keep it as it is? I mean, for me personally, I, I'd rather keep it as it is. I think the idea of a biennial, biennial World, World Cup in, in the context of which it's formulated potentially could be a good idea for other regions in the world, mm. for smaller ranked nations to play up against each other and have more of that, um, you know, elite level playing uh, spectacle that they're not used to. Perhaps, you know, if, if, you, if you think about widening the game and development in other areas. But in general, I just think I can see it actually making the gap wider 
uh, between the, the the top ranked nations who are having better quality in the domestic leagues they have yeah. anyway compared to the rest of the world. Yeah, and let's be real as well. You know, the the league is growing as it is at the moment, as is the women's game. But can we keep up? Can can the women's game just now keep up with the World Cup every two years? I I personally, you know, this is my theory is that a majority of players are playing at their clubs more Mm -hmm. than they're at their national teams. And if they are not going to have the kind of welfare and care medically, that's going to even allow them to be robust enough to play elite level tournament football that often then it's it's going to be it's not going to be worthwhile at all. Yeah, that that's the thing that that worries me. We've already just heard from Northern Ireland who don't even have all of their players actually full-time professional yet. Never mind being exposed at a World Cup every 2 years until they've actually get, been given that time to catch up with the game anyway. That seems unfair. Yeah, definitely. I I just think, you know, fundamentally we want to make the domestic game as good a product as we can on and off the pitch and if the support is there and the resources are there the players are definitely going to keep getting better the quality on the pitch is going to be better and and they you know physically are going to be physically able but mentally able but I think for me it's just sad to see I feel like a, a, a large chunk of players are being left out of the conversation both across the men and women's game with regards to how they feel about what they can cope with yeah I mean what would be far more interesting would be to see the players get to vote and see what they get to vote on it's their it's their bodies at the end of the day it's their lives it's everything that they're going through uh, if it were to go to a vote now Anita and you were to vote for the biennial world cup are you yes or are you no yeah. absolute no <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're not sitting on the fence with us tonight Tom what would you go for well, it will be a no from me as well. And just to add to what Anita was just saying there, I think it's really important to look at some of the players who are in red-hot form at the moment across men's and women's football. And the three that come to mind for me right now, as well, aside from Mo Salah, is Beth Mead and Penilla Harder. And none of those three were a major tournament this summer. So that's something to think about in terms mm. of keeping players fresh and, and getting the best out of the best players. Oh, I like what you've brought to the table there, Tom. Tom, Gary from The Telegraph, thank you very much for your thoughts on that and this biennial World Cup that may well actually happen. Uh, Anita, thank you very much. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. We're back in just a minute. My name's Shabana Heron. And coming up, we're going to be picking our Player of the Month and previewing this weekend's FA Cup semi-finals. Hello there, how are you? You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. My name's Shabana Hearn, Anita Asante from Aston Villa here as well. Uh, and Anita, it's time to look back at some of the, the Women's Super League's Player of the Month with now. Women's Football Weekly Preview on TalkSport 2 with a Now Sports membership. Stream weekly weekend matches from the Women's Super League live without a contract from just $9.99. Search Now Sports 18 plus, stream via internet, terms apply. Now we do this every single month and we look at our player of the month and our goal of the month. Um, And this one is quite similar to what happened last month as well. Uh, In there we've got Katie McKay from Arsenal, Kim Little from Arsenal, Hannah Blundell uh, from Manchester United, Hasegawa from West Ham, Frank Kirby from Chelsea and Christy Lavelle. Uh, from Leicester as well Anita let's go through some of these shall we because uh, starting off with Katie McCabe it's been a lovely strong start to the season from her hasn't it yeah an unbelievable season and you know I've been on the wrong end of uh, Katie McCabe actually (laughs) scoring worldies against us so 
yeah, she's obviously, you know, flying and she, she's scoring some unbelievable goals and is a, a positive impact player and a key player for Arsenal as well. Mm, yeah, two appearances, two goals. And those two goals, actually, that she's had are both up for goal of the month as well uh, and an assist as well. And, and often what we've seen from... Um, uh, Arsenal this season is the rotation in the squad and Katie has been moved around a couple of times um, what do you think about you know in terms of that as a player and being so versatile well I think it's a, a great thing to have in your armour as a player actually because you, you can always be considered for the, the squad every weekend but you know you can fill any spot at any given moment and she's been able to adapt in many positions and actually you know play you know quality football in all positions so she's also getting a wider knowledge of of the roles and responsibilities in each position mm, Jonas Edeval uh, had a brilliant start uh, to the season so far Kim Little has played most minutes under him uh, so far this season she's had two goals in the last month and two appearances as well uh, Kim does seem to have had a wee relight of fire would you say that? <laughs> Relight of fire. Um, I don't know if she ever lost yeah. it. But yeah, I know, I know. But she had a wee bit of injury, didn't she, last season? That I think she was kind of yeah. here and there. But now it feels that like she's back and she's full throttle. Yeah, I would agree. I think obviously injuries can can be a slight setback, but getting that rhythm. You know, she's having consistent uh, appearances, playing all the time, and she's got such incredible game intelligence and you know a wonderful player on the ball and you can see the difference she makes for for Arsenal when she's in there um so yeah she's had a great start to the season and you know I just hope against us again she'll have, have a quiet day <laughs> <laughs> just have one off uh, let's talk about Hannah Blundell as well two appearances and three assists how cru- crucial is she to Manchester United squad yeah, well, I think she's been a great acquisition for Man United. Um, I've played with Hannah. You know, I'm a big fan of Hannah as well. I think she's a sort of a finesse fullback, if you can if you can say that. Um, quality on the ball and li- likes to get up and down the pitch. And you can see how she's having that influence um, at Man United. And I think playing more regularly now is really helping her to to have confidence and actually show her quality. Mm. Hasegawa from West Ham she had a screamer of a goal uh, as well this month from two appearances one a goal and one assist have we got plenty more to see from her moving forward yeah I'm sure we will I think Hasegawa you know is new to the league she's probably still adjusting to the transition of being here learning about her teammates the coach and and how she can fit in into a role within the team but you know, the quality she's displayed in that in, in her finishing shows that she's got plenty more to show and, and to come. Mm, and I don't know about you, Anita, but sometimes you look forward to a season, uh, looking back from last season, and you wonder if a certain player will still continue to provide at the level that they've been providing at. And the person I'm thinking about uh, is Fran Kirby, and she hasn't lost a beat over the summer. Um, and of course, she's doing it again this season for Chelsea, two appearances, a goal and three assists. She's just, she's there's no stopping her at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Fran is a sort of player that I just think, you know, she loves football and the minute she's on the pitch, she's at home um, mm. and she displays that week in and week out. And I just think, you know, whether she's scoring goals or assisting, she's just got, you know, she's an all rounder attacking player and you'll always see her show up, especially in important matches. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, always saving the day. Uh, of course, up there as well as Pernella Harder. She seems to be doing that for Chelsea at the moment is just getting those last minute goals or turning that game around from getting the goals. Um, and uh, the other person we have to mention as well, of course, is Kirsty Lavelle, uh, Leicester goalkeeper. Um, and 
two appearances she's saved 14 uh, which is which is you know pretty credible yeah I mean goalkeepers don't always get the credit they deserve do they um mm-hmm. <laughs> they keep their teams in the games um most of the time and you know making that many saves for, for her team shows just how important and crucial she'll be to their you know this to the team in their season because ultimately they're new to the league as well Leicester mm-hmm. as a side and it's going to be important that they're able to have as many clean sheets as they can get I think it was that game actually against Chelsea that she was just outstanding uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Christy Lavelle, so nice to see her up for Player of the Month. Anita, I have to ask, anybody missing from the list? Anyone you would have liked to have seen up there? Um, I mean, there's always an argument that, you know, the likes of a Sam Kerr or someone could mm. be in that list. Um, but no, I think that's a pretty solid list. And actually, it, I had a hard time trying to pick uh, between them. Yeah. Yeah. Who did you go for in the end? Well, it was a close one between <laughs> and Katie McCabe. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had to go. I had to go with McCabe, and maybe that's the defender in me as well, wanting to yeah. give credit to players that play in defensive positions. But yeah. I think for her ability, obviously, to be a, a, an amazing fullback and, and a winger, often at times, she you know she can assist, she scores goals, and and she obviously does a great job defending. So for me, it has to be Katie McCabe this season, especially scoring two incredible goals. Okay, Anita Santi going for Katie McCabe of uh, Barclays Women's Super League Player of the Month. That was our Player of the Month in the Women's Super League with now, and don't forget, with a Now Sports membership, you can stream the Women's Super League live on Sky Sports without a contract. Search Now Sports. Women's Football Weekly Preview on TalkSport 2 with a Now Sports membership. Stream weekly weekend matches from the Women's Super League live without a contract from just $9.99. Search Now Sports 18 plus stream via internet terms apply. And let's talk about the FA Cup semi-finals all coming up this weekend. Uh, on Sunday, we've got Manchester City against Chelsea at 2.45. So let's start there, Anita. This is a big game for Gareth Taylor, isn't it? Because they've talked about pressure on somebody, eh? Yeah, massive, massive clash. Um, Man City obviously haven't had the best of starts to the season um, and they would want to redeem something probably um, by getting to a final. And this is an opportunity for them to try and do that. But yeah, there's definitely going to be a lot of pressure on on Gareth and, and, and the team. Yeah, absolutely. And Chelsea, of course, as we know, just on that run of form, uh, since the opening game of the season, they haven't been beat uh, at all and uh, seem to be putting the goals away as well. If you could predict this game, what do you think was would be the score? Oh, <laughs> sorry. Well, yeah, that... I know. I know you're yeah. like, I'm still trying to have my career right now. Sure, woman. <laughs> Thanks for that, Siobhan. Um, <laughs> no, you know, I think Chelsea, it's just, for me, the two strongest sides this season are mm. with Chelsea and Arsenal. And I just think Chelsea have slightly more edge. So I'm going to go for a 2-0 result for Chelsea. I have to ask Anita as well, are you keen to see Manchester City ut- utilise the younger players a little bit more during this injury crisis that they're having? I'm talking, you know, for the likes of Ruby Mace. Would you like to see her now get her start? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, this is a sort of, you could say an opportunity that has been forced upon the management manager as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so why not actually give the chance to see if your youngsters will just fly or not? You know, the team is, has not had the best starts to the season anyway. Um, it's just a chance to see as many players and, and see what they can offer. And, and maybe, you know, because they know the slight pressure off, because, you know, sometimes when you're at the top and you're fighting for that, 
league title, whatever, there's a different kind of pressure. Now they can go and play with a bit more freedom um, and, and really, you know, impact the team in a positive way. Hmm. Yeah, we were speaking to Rachel brown Finnis just last week and she was saying as well, you know, this is the time to use those players and get them out there and see what they can provide, um, especially when you do have that injury uh, crisis as well. So I would quite like to see uh, Ruby Mason, see what she can do for Manchester City, uh, hopefully this weekend in the FA Cup semi-final. And your other game on Sunday at 5.45 is Arsenal against Brighton. Anita, you said it there, Arsenal so strong this season under Jonas Edeval. But let's not forget Hope Powell's side started so strong as well. Yeah, Brighton are always a difficult side mm. um, to come up against. They're always well-organised, disciplined, work really hard for each other, um, make it very difficult for, you know, top sides to break them down. Um, but I think, you know, Arsenal have started the season in unbelievable form. They're scoring a lot of goals and there's a lot more depth to the squad. So I, I still think Arsenal will, will you know, win this game. Mm. What do you think will be the score? Predict it for me. Oh, <laughs> well... You know, I actually, you know, Brighton are a very robust side, so I can imagine um, I'm going to go for a 3-0 scoreline. Okay, and you forget as well, of course, that it was Brighton who who stopped Chelsea in their unbeaten run last season as well. And Chelsea being Aston Villa's return uh, from the international break as well, Anita. Looking forward to that game? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we always want to play the top sides and that's how we improve as a side. That's how we get better and that's how we learn. Mm -hmm. Um, We know what Chelsea have to offer and and all their strengths within the side, but we're looking forward to just getting the season, you know, the games kicked off again and get into some momentum again. Yeah, no, no, that'll be it. And just get back into that good run. And then before you know it, it's another international break. Do you feel that, Anita, that you're you're, you're getting into the run of things and then there's another break? Does that annoy you? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, you yeah. know, as a player, you just want you want to be on the grass all the time with your team and, and planning, prepping for games. So, yeah, it's not we don't we actually don't enjoy these periods that much. We, you know, we want the season to just keep on rolling. <laughs> you know, I understand. I mean, it's even annoying for me not be able to watch the Women's Super League when it's international breaks. But hey, ho, uh, that's why we get behind the internationals and hopefully we're going to see England and Scotland at the World Cup next year. Uh, that's me being really, really neutral. Uh, Anita, I have to say thank you so much for your company tonight. You've been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Shaban. Enjoy it. Lovely. Thank you so much to our guests tonight. And don't forget, UEFA Recording Euro stopped. 2022 draw is on Thursday in Manchester. Producer Flo is going to be that for us, providing updates throughout the evening. It's going to be live for you on TalkSport. You do not want to miss that. That's all from us tonight. Thank you so much to Anita Asante, Rebecca Holloway, Mother Wills, Leanne Crichton, Tom Gary, and Producer Flo as well. And all of you, as ever, for listening. And do not forget, if you've missed any of the show, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.